Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Brace yourselves, winter is coming. What the writers of games, uh, Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off, plus free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The Performance Package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster, foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scented designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 224. I am your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm now joined by my co-hosts, Treg Wilson. Hello. And Matt Smith. Good afternoon. C-Release Smith himself is on (laughs) the show. Yeah. 
So, you know, uh, it's been, it's been a few days. Uh, Treg and I were able to pump out a couple episodes without you because you were working. So what have you been up to? Working. That's about all I've been doing. So <laughs> since I get back from the East coast, it's, uh, back to work a day early night shift. It's been busy. So, uh, trying to make up for all those flights, the training flights that they uh, pushed aside over the holidays. So now they're wanting to go, go, go all the time. So a little bit see, extra work on us. I can't see pilots wanting that. I don't know. The school's here. So it kind of makes it, kind of makes it hard. We can't just be like, yeah, we don't have any planes. So then they can just look out the window and be like, there's a lot of planes out there. So yeah. None say of them they don't work. Just do what the Navy does. None of them work. And mo- you know what? Mo- in most instances, that is the gates. <laughs> They got they got that red tuck tape all around the wings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's speed tape makes it go faster. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's how you get the speed lines on there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because we haven't seen uh, too many of your uh, Instagram posts of the fancy food you make. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's upsetting. It how is upsetting. Steal, I'm going to steal all your recipes. Like, come that on. Is a, it is upsetting. It's like. Uh, craft dinner and mujo burrito the last couple days so. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so before we kick off the uh, this episode i want to thank one of our sponsors and that is boxing rock breweries their puck off ale is delicious uh i want to thank them for uh providing us a little bit of sponsorship and for our listeners the contest is still on if you're 19 and over and you live in Nova Scotia or you can get to an NSLC, you are eligible to win a, a free 12-can case of Puckoff uh, puck Lagerdale. Um, it is amazing beer. I've had quite a bit of it. Uh, Matt, I think you had some when you were on holidays, didn't you? I get to, sam- I get to sample a can, so that was, that was nice to finally have one. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll definitely have to pick more up. I would have flown home with more, but you know, weight restrictions and everything, right? So, <laughs> so you just drink them before you get on the flight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's probably best. Maybe this summer. Um, so we had a couple of winners, uh, <clears throat> Edward and Veronik. Congratulations! Your your uh, tickets are in the mail now. Uh, once you get them, let us know. We want to make sure that you have them. If you don't. We will deliver them ourselves if we need to. Moving on. Uh, this episode, we have a few items that we're going to cover. We're going to talk a little bit about the Chicago game and some of the uh, happenings in that game. Um, a little bit about the GM search, and we'll go from there. So let us start with the Chicago game. Uh, Treg, I'm going to give you the first kick at the can on the Canadians' overtime loss to the Blackhawks? I thought the first period they were going to get destroyed. Uh, then they played an excellent second period, which is odd because usually the second period is the worst period ever. Uh, they played a great third period too. They they kept the game close. Uh, I'm not a fan of Montebo. Both his goals were weak. Um, He's I'm, an AHL goalie. If that. Um, but uh, anyway... Uh, he made, did make some big saves, though. He did come up big at times. They needed him. They went to overtime. Uh, I do believe the he was onside. I believe he had control of the puck. Uh, however, I don't believe the I don't believe the goal counted. Just simple fact that 
it was the Chicago player that knocked the puck with off the moorings with his knees and the, the net was off and out before the puck went across the line. So now according to the rules, uh, apparently if the net is knocked off, but it's knocked off by a deterrent knocked off by this, the Habs player, then the goal counts or something. Uh, I'm not sure if that's an actual fact. Um, but that's where I, I don't understand how that goal counted. Not because of the offside onside. I don't think it was offside. I think he had control of the puck. Um, although I think they do kind of change that because he was still over the blue line before he received the puck, I guess. Depends on which yeah, freeze that's frame. True. That's... It depends on which freeze frame you want to look at, I guess. Because I don't think he had control when escape was still on the blue line, but I think he did have control when escape came off the blue line, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, because he I'm received gonna... the pass, he was already in the zone, but the puck didn't cro- he didn't fully cross the line because the stick was behind him, uh, and, and he had he... control bringing it across. Correct. But he was already in. That that's the way I look at it, but I'm not going to argue it because if you look at one freeze frame, is the back of his skates on the blue line. If you look at the next frame, it's not. So whatever. Don't care. But that's the second review that they made. Right. The first review, I don't see how that was counted as a goal. I just don't. I, I don't. And props to Hoffman, who's not known as a defensive player, for getting back and actually almost eliminating that being a goal altogether um, after Petrie made a bad pinch. So, uh, yeah, and it's not like Hoffman pushed him into the net. Hoffman was between. Pushed him away from the net. He tried. He but, tried, and then the force of him pushing him, them guys hitting each other, pushed him into Montebo, yeah. which pushed him in the net. The Chicago player hit the post of the net. The net came off with everyone, and then the puck went across the line. Yeah, and the puck clearly the went across the line after the net was put was was out of the moorings. Clearly yeah. went across, and you can see it. So how that's a goal, I have no idea. They read the rule on TV apparently that rule sixty nine point seven states that if the attacking player knocks the net off it's done the play is dead if the puck hasn't crossed the line and in this case Kubalik's knee took out that post mm-hmm. lifting the net off its moorings and then the puck crossed the line it was not uh, Hoffman's head hitting the top crossbar and then f- falling into the net that took the net off it was initially the Chicago attacker taking the puck and, the net and that's that's the way I saw it that's the way I looked at it. I don't work in Toronto in the Situation Room, but uh, I was don't it know. Kub- was it Kubalik or was it Kershev? Oh, it's Kershev. Kershev. Sorry, Kershev. 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 it was his first goal, so of course he was going to score it against of Montreal. Of course, but it should never have counted. The goal should never ever have counted. I don't know. Could they have argued? Could could uh, uh, they had a third review on goalie interference? Probably not, because Huffman actually went into the goalie, but. I don't know. I would have challenged it anyway. What are you going to lose? Get a penalty to start the next game? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've seen less goalie interference called, so take the chance. What kills me is the the last goal that, the, that got called back against the Canadians was Gallagher getting pushed into a goalie, and then because his stick lightly touched a pad, it yeah. was completely off. Yeah. But now you can run through the guy, knock the net off, have the puck cross the line after the net is off and it still counts because your name's not Gallagher. And you play for the Habs. For someone that didn't see the game, unfortunately, 
Um, I did get to see the overtime and I did get Mr. to see I that. Was working. <laughs> I did get to see that happen as it happened. And uh, the offside call, um, it, it is a little shady. It, it, did he have, did he have full possession before he crossed the line, et cetera? You can argue that um, many people in the media are saying that he didn't. And I'd probably agree with them. Um, but yeah, I, I would say more so the collision at the net would be uh, would be the one that you would call off. And you bring up a great point with uh, with the Gallagher goal being disallowed for uh, him making contact with a stick and a goal being disallowed. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, the seems like the refs just wanted to go home, to be honest, and it's it's another it's another game that it costs the Canadians a point. I think it's, and this is just my point of view. I think that it was bullshit that the game ended like that. This is a game that, and we'll get into it after. Was the, it was to honor Andrew Shaw? Yeah. And to have a game for him between the two teams he played for, end with such a horseshit call is unfair to him and the fans who were there. Yeah, the home fans got the win. They're excited. They're happy. That's great. But it's still a it's still a bullshit call yeah. to get a win from. I mean, it helps the Canadians in the tank, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they deserved a better fate than to lose a game in a contested goal that would have more, well, I would say 100% be called back if they had scored it. You know, look, like Montreal is playing their second game of back-to-back. They had just lost to Boston, and it was their second game in, what, 12, 13, 12, 13 days? Yeah. Um, finally starting to get some roster players back, which obviously we'll get into in another segment. Um, but, like, right now, the Canadians are only playing on the road. And, as you said, for the game to end like that, and for the fact that they didn't, just kind of put their sticks down and stop playing after the first period when it looks like that was going to be the case. It, it you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard way to lose. Um, I'll say one thing about the game. Um, from what I've seen in the replays, didn't seem like the Canadians or even the Blackhawks really started to get going until Romanoff threw that hit. And then it kind of seemed like, yeah, it kind of seemed like the benches both woke up and say, okay, we got a game, especially the Canadians. And I do agree with Treg. Um, The goals that I saw that Maltonbo let in, especially the one that Patrick Kane scored, that's not a goal that you can let in at any level, let alone the NHL. And uh, I'm just kind of waiting for the um, Maltonbo experiment to be over, to be honest. Do you like give McNiven a game, give Primo some time? Uh, Ducharme said today that they're going to split the games and uh, Primo will get one and so will um, and so will Montembeau but you know when when is the experiment going to be over I don't think he's going to be part of the long-term plans um, right now I know yes you need a you need a goalie in the organization with Allen injured with Price still being out but you know enough is enough well, that second goal that Motambo let in, yeah, it's definitely one they would want back. But let's remember, too, this was a power play goal by Patrick Kane, who has a knack for making goalies look like shit. That's that's true. That's true. Still, though, that was, it was a terrible freaking goal. It was a terrible goal. Well, he, he, he never should have let it in. I'm not he faked him, him with a pass I'll across. Never, 
He bit on it when he shouldn't have. And we're even we're even seeing Montembeau. We're even seeing Montembeau some of these weak ones that he's let up. His reaction. Yeah. You can see him yeah. put his head down or flail his hands or whatever because yeah. he knows he knows he should be better and he's got to be better. And yes, the team in front of him isn't the greatest team to ever play hockey, but he needs to be better. And arguably, some of the efforts that the Canadians have put in this season, if they had better goaltending, maybe they would have a few more wins. You you could argue that if you take it back a bad goal a game for Montebeau, they have almost two or three more wins. More likely. At least one. Yeah. At yeah. least one. Yeah. Uh, and in, la- in, the, in the case of the game against Chicago, Losing is fine as long as they're putting in their best efforts through that game and showing that they can compete. And in this game, that's what they did. They they were embarrassed in Boston, and then they came back the very next night and showed that, yes, with with a little bit better effort, a little bit better teamwork, they can do better. Granted, Chicago is not the same level team as Boston. Boston is a much better hockey team, but... Chicago's not that bad either compared to Montreal. They're much better. So to have that kind of effort, to have a a close game like that, to force it into overtime, that's a win in my books for the Canadians. I I, I agree. I totally agree. I don't care if Montreal loses every game from now on, as long as they stay in the game and they compete in the game. But uh, I look at this game and think, what if Montreal was one of the, top teams in the in the in the in the division which they're not but what if they're battling for a playoff spot or what if they're battling for third spot in the Atlantic uh and then that game's called that way you just could have lost yourself a playoff spot or what if this game was game number 77 and Montreal's three points out of a playoff spot or just two points in a playoff spot that's a big freak that's a big game was this the one where Chirac got the roughing call for a clean body check no, that was the no, it was against Boston. Boston. Okay, yeah. Yeah. it's merging into my head. It's yeah. uh, this was where Romanov got into a fight because for having a clean hit, hit. yeah, for a yeah. Clean Carpenter hit. fought him. Yeah. Carpenter fought him, well, uh, jumped him, whatever. Well, they did the right thing on that. They gave him the instigator and they gave him the and misconduct. Yeah, yeah. And it's so they they and I think Montreal scored on that pair. They did. Yes, they did. They yeah. did. Yeah, Huffman. So you know they did the right thing on that i'm not a big fan of the instigator call but that one there i think was a good call because romanov had no he had no time to even get his gloves off before he started throwing punches at him so still laid him out on the ice romanov's still able to drop his gloves and get him Um, down on the ice so good on romanov for being able to to defend himself and do well but going back to the goal that's what i look at goals like that like yeah, right now, who cares if Montreal wins or loses? Like, who cares if they win the game or lose the game? Whether they so you look at it, you're like, ah, oh, that's a shit call. But in the end, you're like, I don't know, they got a point, they lost, whatever. However, if this was an important game, first, I don't think it would be called that way. I think it'd be a totally different call. And but second, if it's not, that's a big friggin' fuck up. Yeah. Well, let's let's opinion. pretend that this game was Toronto. Mm-hmm. Boston last game of the year the winner gets third place in the division the loser gets the first wild card so instead of playing uh, a second place team in within your own division for a playoff you are now facing off against the top team in the other conference the other division like you know or or what if you're fighting for second or third and the the winner gets home ice advantage 
Well, then again, then then it depends on who scores the goal. If it's Toronto that the goal scored, it's going to be a goal. If it's Boston, it won't be a goal. Let's be honest. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? I I wish I could argue with you, but it does seem (laughs) to me, it seems that the, that war room in Toronto is basically just a bunch of guys, you know, like uh, some basic bros. Hey bro, what's going on, bro? Yeah, let's go, bro. You know, guys that never made it or uh, just watch videos who flip a coin every play and say, well, heads, it's heads. It's good. Tails is bad. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Bad. Maybe it's time to change where the war room situated. No, move, it no. to, move it, move it to Alabama. No, what you do is you give the tablet to the referees that are on the ice. Yeah. Right. And then they make the choice. The war room can come down and say, we think there's a discretion here. You yeah. might want to look at this again. Yeah. Right. And then the referees make the decision after they look at the play or have an off an off ice official. Yeah. That's, well, that's what the NLL does. The NLL yeah. has a fourth uh, official that sits in the box and does all that. Yeah. So, I mean, so and if anyone doesn't know what the NLL is, it's the national lacrosse league. And I think Blade had to go have a poo or something. So <laughs> he, uh, he, he got up, but uh, that's what I think they have to, I think they have to, the war room can be there to say, Hey guys, we relooked at this. We think this is a goal. Can you guys review it? And uh, if you, you know, and make the final decision yeah, on a go- clear goal, it's a clear goal. Like if you, you know, sometimes a goal scored, you don't see it. And then they're like, Hey, that was a goal. But uh, and then the referees can look at their own tablets because they have them there because we see them looking at it when they're the war room's doing it and they can determine it's determined by the people that are down on the ice and the referees have more say in their own game. That's so, that's how I think it should change. So the war room's just to direct the referees to look at something. They're not there to make the final decision. That's how I think it should be. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. All great points. All great points. Um, moving on from that. Back to Andrew Shaw. So this game was the Andrew Shaw night that Chicago fans have been waiting for for a couple of years. A well-earned night for this, this man. I mean, he won two cups in Chicago. He gave his heart every single shift that he played with the, with the Hawks and the Canadians. Um, They had to wait because of the pandemic. He was supposed to have this thing last year. And I think it's kind of, it's kind of sad that it happened on a night when both teams are not really that relevant anymore in the NHL standings. Chicago has an outside chance to make the playoffs. They could actually do it. Uh, The Canadians, (laughs) they're not eliminated mathematically. So there's still a chance is what they're saying. (laughs) uh, No. <laughs> but I, I I really liked the show that they put on for him. They gave him a, a wonderful video, uh, a great ovation. The players were all there. And Petrie lining up for the face-off because he was a former teammate. I thought that was great touches by the Blackhawks. I thought it was very classy. Sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't see what the big deal is about Andrew Shaw. I'm sorry, I don't. He was a fan favorite. Sure. Okay. I'm not saying the guy's worth <laughs> uh, retiring a number or, but doing an appreciation night, I thought he well, he, that was well deserved. All right. Cool. Yeah. Especially yeah. in Chicago. I mean, he won two Stanley Cups there. He was a key member of those two cup runs. Yeah. He, he, he's a playoff performer. Yeah. Yeah. 
like Byron Bickle. Who? <laughs> Byron Bickle. Yeah. All right. Chris Contos. Chris <laughs> Contos. Love it. Uh, all right. So the next point that I wanted to bring up was the uh, same game, the Dehan Slewfoot on Cole Caulfield behind the net. No penalty called on the play. And I could say, you could say that the game happens too fast for the officials to see it or not. The $2,500 fine, we'll get into if we think that's enough or not, but the play on the ice, there was no call. The referee was about 15 feet away watching the play happen. How he doesn't see DeHaan kicking the feet out underneath the player. Uh, how? I, I can't see how he does not see that. There was a clean line of sight. There was no one in his way. He was watching the puck, which was right there. So maybe it's a Subban fan. So he just is like, I don't hey, call my, it on. My, I, don't call it on I don't call it on Subban. Ain't calling on him either. That's a player that should have a call. He should be suspended uh, at least a couple of times by now. Yeah. He does that almost uh, yeah, nightly, once a game? Yeah. If there was going to be a fight for a play on the ice. It should have been not for the clean hit, but for a slew foot. Yeah. Especially against one of your, uh, one of your young players. Yeah. And no one stepped up on that one. No, nobody stepped up. And again, it goes back to what I was arguing. If the NHL can find it, why is the referee not getting a reprimand for not calling it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But honestly, that could have led to, he he didn't get injured, but it could have led like that's, that, that is, territory that could be a seriously injured a serious foot is just as dangerous as a headbutt chris weidman who also didn't get a penalty for the clear headbutt that the line's been looked at who told the referee that there was a headbutt involved uh he got a one game suspension what rightfully deserved um if the slew foot's just as dangerous then you know it's something the referees need to start looking for Mm -hmm. or why can't a linesman call it why can't a linesman put his hand up and say that's a penalty for a slew foot and again, yeah. why can't there be another official up in the press box watching down, uh, watching it from above, who can then just push the push the button for the buzzer to say, "Hey, I seen something." Get to the freaking uh, get to the phone. At least for a dangerous, a dangerous play. Yeah, not yeah. so much for every yeah. If it's, play, if it's like, oh, he, he hooked him. Who gives it like fucking? Who gives yeah. shit? Let the let yeah. the guys on the ice for a slow foot them. or a hit to the head yeah. or a you know something something like that any kind of play where as soon as the play is done you know the the next whistle is blown you can push that little button get the attention of the uh, the officials on the ice so you can talk to them for whatever reason and it could help cover off on some of the dirtier plays like like you mentioned the headbutt it could help or the bad goal you know uh if he, if he doesn't agree with, he could be the one making the call for the goal. Yeah, Watch yeah. the replay. He's not the one on the ice. So it's him instead of going to Toronto. Yeah. But just look at the last, you know, say five games for the Canadians. There has been goals called back. There has been goals called, but there has been goal, goals called that shouldn't have been. There was the hit on Paquette. There was a three game suspension that there was no call on the play. Now there's the slew foot. That's a $2,500 fine. It just seems that, that's just the Canadians games. And that's just the Canadians games. Yeah. Like I, we obviously that's what we're going to talk about on the show, but 
you look across the league and there's been other calls like that, but it kind of just seems that the Canadians are, and yes, obviously I'm going to look at Canadians games a lot closer and everything else, but it just seems that, you know, pick your, pick a game and there's something. There, yeah, there's something. And kind as Drake of... said, there's no accountability for referees. No, there's none. So. Especially when you have the commissioner of the league saying to the playoffs. Yeah. They're the best question, When questioned on the refereeing in the, yeah. in the game, well, they're the best of any of the pro sports. They're yeah. the best. Yeah. That's outright They definitely lie. are. No, no, they are the best. The best at missing calls and oh, fucking things up. They're terrible. It's just ter- like whole like NFL holds accountability for their life for their their whole and they work in crews. So if someone on that crew really messes up, that whole crew is uh, it, it lo- loses a playoff game or something. That guy's usually fined or reprimanded or something happens to him. But the whole crew loses a playoff game. Um, and the NHL doesn't seem like I guess they do have a thing where you won't do certain playoff games or certain rounds because you're not at this echelon of a refereeing, but that usually goes by experience and not so much by how good of a referee you are. That's right. Or Chris Lee would would never officiate the playoffs. He shouldn't be in the NHL. No, he shouldn't. And he wasn't in the NHL up till a little bit ago. So just because, well, he was, he was hurt. And then he went to the AHL to rehab. So and he got and boy, so much what better. a great job he did in exactly in, in the last couple games. Holy oh, shit. I'm sure, there's some AHL, I'm sure there's some AHL podcasts right now, and they're like, fuck Chris Lee. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's back at the NHL. <laughs> at least in the Boston game, he was terrible for both teams. So it wasn't yeah, that Sherrod call was just mwah, beautiful. Yeah. You get a penalty for being bigger than the other guy when you hit him. When Bruins fans and even Jack Edwards says how is that a penalty? Like the biggest homer you have ever heard in your friggin' life says, what the hell was that? To a call. You know it's a Chris Lee call. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. If Jack Edwards is questioning the call. It's a bad friggin' call. Especially when it's one that's Especially it's against the, the Bruins. Yeah, it's, it's helping the Bruins. And he's like, wow, what the hell? <laughs> I'll show that Suzuki kid for getting punched in the face. <laughs> I'll get him again. <laughs> Damn Suzuki getting punched right in front of me and not making me and me not calling it. Screw him. How dare he get punched? <laughs> Suzuki, two minutes for taking a fist to the face. <laughs> Roughing the player's a, hand. And to go back to the NFL, when they when they reprimand their officials, it's public knowledge. It's stated yeah. on the website. They say this is the call that he missed. He put a video to it. This is what he did. This was the call made, and this is where he made the mistake. Like it's broken down like the player safety videos for the NHL. And then he does further training so that he can come back to his crew because the NFL makes a boatload off of gambling and you need to placate the gamblers to prove to them that the officials aren't being set up to help one team win over another. NHL would never do that. If it makes you feel any better, nobody bet on the Canadians to win. (laughs) But it, but if they did, imagine the money they would have made. Exactly. <laughs> I still That's got my I still got my thousand dollar bet they're winning the cup this year, and when they do, man, <laughs> yeah, it's like ten thousand to one odds. I'm putting two bucks down. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Come on, Daddy needs a new kitchen. <laughs> uh, but degenerate gamblers are going to do it, or you know, 
people that just want to put a couple of bucks down and watch a team in a game, you know, just to put some extra, you know, you're watching the blues play against Nashville. So you want to put a couple of bucks down on one of the teams. So you have a, uh, a vested interest, make it more fun. Well, if you got a Chris Lee officiating the game, one of those teams getting fucked. Because his bad calls aren't just for one team. They're for, or for both teams. They're just for one team, usually. Yeah. Just like Kodak Black. (laughs) (laughs) Who got a $5,000 fine for Uh, hitting it from behind. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Growing the game. Growing the game. One new fan at a time. That's right. So nine more. Shout out to the NHL for deleting your tweet. Welcoming welcoming to the game, too. Nobody noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) See you in nine months, that tweet. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, All right. So moving on from that, we'll go to the, uh, the next point, and that is the GM search. So uh, according to Pierre Lebrun, they're down to about three people for the next round. He named Matsu Dalsh and uh, Daniel Bidiaev, and he didn't know the third name. Now it's come out recently in the last day that another uh, the other name is almost, like, uh, more, uh, almost exactly to be Kent Hughes. So that means Hughes, Bidiaev, and Darsh. So who do you think would be the better fit? And Treg, I'll give you the first shot. Darsh. And, and the, I think he has more experience. I think he has the, uh, I think he has exactly what Gorton's looking for to be uh, compatible to him. I don't think Gorton's looking for another Gorton. I think he's looking for compatibility. He's looking for a guy who's not afraid to go his own way. He knows how a winning team is put together. Um and uh, it's not just his hockey knowledge, but it's also his management knowledge from his personal life when he, uh, um, for the Quebec company that he was the manager for. Um, nothing to take away from it. Now I had a little argument with a, with a father. It wasn't really an argument, but uh, uh, so I'm going to correct myself now. We're kind of both right, but he was more right than I was. Uh, uh, I got I, I to find his name here. Well, I was just saying, I said, he mentioned that Ken Hughes with the third name. And I said, Ken Hughes turned down the interview because he didn't want to go through the process, which is what he did do originally. Originally, um, yeah. And then uh, it turned out because uh, uh, DLC, DCL, what's it? Uh, Donnie Clus. Donnie Clus had said that he was the third guy. Um yeah, of course, I'm never going to find this guy. Oh, here it is. Philippe Bernard, who follows me on Twitter. Yeah, he's still following me. Um, <laughs> Stop doing it. Don't follow him anymore. Anyway, he said Angles was porting it down to three, Darsh and Pierre. DLC said initially Hughes wasn't a fan of the process, but then they reported that they came back, that he was going to be the third guy. Uh, I read the DLC article. It also mentions if he's not the third guy, it could be Mark Denis. Uh, who they think uh, was the third guy. And uh, LeBron said there's three to four. So Mark Denis could be that fourth guy that everyone's talking about. So I'm going to say, Philip, if you listen to the show, I'll take the L. I'll say, all right, you had that. But I technically wasn't wrong because he didn't really have an Mark interview. Mark the calendar, folks. That is the 15th of January, 2022. <laughs> and Treg admitted fault. 
we're going to count right. this kind of as like a player hitting the goalie and then the puck going in though. <laughs> um, <laughs> that kind yeah. of win. Yeah, that kind of How- win. Yeah. However, I just read just now Eric Engel saying um, Darsh has an interview with the Ducks next week. Um, yeah, that, no, that it's well known that Darsh is in yeah. with the Ducks as well. Yeah. So, so Engels just tweeted that a couple minutes ago that uh, he Darsh is going to see. It. So, if they're going to hire him, if Darsh is their guy, which I think he's going to be, that's not saying Briere and Kent can't be AGMs either. So, no, that's true. Uh, I think Eric Engels also stated that. Not everyone, uh, that some of the people that they've talked to will end up with jobs, just maybe not the GM job. So you need a head of scouting too, so. Yes, development's going to be a huge issue here. And um, I honestly believe that Jeff Horton's trying to recreate the dynamic that he had with with Davidson, with the Rangers. Because it was the other way around. Davidson was the VP yeah. of hockey ops. Yeah. He was the GM and they worked together and you could tell they worked together because they did everything together. That's right. Um, so to me, it's Darsh. And I think you're going to see Briere maybe and somebody else as the AGMs. That's what I think. Matt, what about you? Well, a lot of people were thinking that it was going to be Martin Madden that was going to be jumping into this position, but the Ducks didn't allow uh, didn't allow the uh, the interview to take place because he's right now in the mix for that GM job in Anaheim. Um, little bit of an interesting conundrum now that uh, Darsh is possibly going to is now scheduled to meet with that team when uh, you know nobody really saw that coming. But uh, I would still say Darsh is probably the front runner, and if it happens that he is to speak with the ducks and he is their guy. Then, you know, maybe Montreal should pull the trigger on this a little bit sooner than later, instead of losing them to another, another franchise. Um, I'd still say he's the favorite. Wouldn't be surprised if you saw somebody like Denis put into a, um, an AGM role or something within the team. And, um, I would say if Darsh does go elsewhere, say if he does end up in Anaheim, I'd say Ken Hughes likely has the job. Especially since they circled back to him. Obviously, yeah. there's some interest there and um, they want him in some capacity or they at least want to see what he brings to the table. And for a guy that's a player agent, that's a well-known agent and um, represents some you know pretty big players throughout the league, um, including, you know, Latang and um, Bergeron. I would say that uh, the guy's obviously got some negotiating skills, so it'd be a good, uh, a good fit for the Canadians. I know the argument against him. Uh, people say, well, why would he leave his, uh, his business to go and do this? Well, he's the managing partner with his, his agency. So he can, he can just step away and be a non-voting partner. So he still but wouldn't profits. that be a conflict of interest? No, no, he's not. He's no longer, uh, a voting member he's no longer an agent he's he no longer represent the players that's right and he could recuse himself from any dealings with the agency or players that were with the agency he can still get his paycheck from there there's there's ways around it so i wouldn't say right off right off the top that he would walk away because he would lose all his money from that um but you have to admit, for a guy who's been in the been in around hockey as long as he has, the the allure of being the general manager of an NHL club can only help him, because once he's fired and every GM is hired to be fired, 
once his time is up as a GM, if he does even a, a halfway okay job, he can return to his old, his old business, get his license back as an agent and go back to that with that extra little bit in his back pocket as a GM. And you got to think like he'd already have, you know, he, he said he's got the negotiating skills. He's got this. I don't know if he'll, if he'll be the guy. I still think this is that Darsh is the guy, but it's going to really depend if it's, you know, um, you know, shit or get off the pot type thing right now when it comes to the, the, the GM search, because you don't want to end up with your second or third choice. If, if Darsh is your guy, you've got to make that deal happen before he's swiped up by another, another team. Uh- According to LeBron, they think they're going to have their GM within the next few days. Yeah. And I, I like I said, I think that he, Gorton is trying to recreate that dynamic that he had with Davidson. So someone who used to be a player, um, someone who has a slightly different point of view or angle to how they see the game than he does, that he works well with. So you're saying a former goalie who has his own point of views who works well with others. So Patrick Waugh is what you're saying is going to be the next GM. Mark oh, I said work well with others. Never that's mind. the mystery. That's yeah, the sorry. mystery. That's the mystery. Sorry. That's the mystery for that. We don't know who it is. <laughs> Mark Denny. Sorry, Mark Denny. Yeah. I think uh, if, I think though, if when it comes to Hughes, if he's not the GM, he, does, he doesn't take a job with the Habs. It's GM. 100% agree. Yeah. 100% I, agree. I think it's the same with Darsh. If Darsh doesn't have the GM job, he's not, he's not going to move from the, well, he's technically not the AGM in Tampa. He's the uh, vice president. Of, but he is. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's going to make a lateral move over to Montreal. No. And if he don't. was offered both jobs, you know, say Anaheim and Montreal, I would think that he angles towards Montreal because history. more more history with the team. And it's a higher, it's a higher risk, but it's a much higher reward because he could be touted as a frigging hero for the rest of his yeah. life. Yeah. However, you got to look at it too, and I'm going to bring this up because everyone talks about it. I don't believe it, but everyone's going to look at whoever's hired as the GM as the French puppet of Gordon. I don't think that's how it's going to be run. No, no. but you will. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it's going to be viewed by 40% of the fan base yeah. in Montreal. And I'm being, it to- I'm being generous with the 40%. I give it about a month before we see an Ainsland cartoon where it's Gorton doing a puppeteering thing with whatever, whoever he hired. Yeah. What I, the only thing that I don't want to see is whoever they bring in. Gorton doesn't need to be in front of the camera anymore. He doesn't need to be the guy. I don't want to see a situation where the media continuously wants to talk to Gorton and doesn't talk to the GM, like what they were doing in Toronto with Shanahan as the president. And people did, people didn't give a fuck what the GM said because Shanahan was going to preach it to them anyway. And I don't want to see a situation like that in Montreal. Um, and I'd rather they you know, said, give the guy the reins, let him go and work as a, ta- work as a, work as a team. Um, Gorton and Davidson didn't do that in, in New York. Davidson was not in front of the camera for anything except draft day when he went up on stage with everybody else. But uh um, I'm going to be interested who's their head scout's going to be. Uh, that that's I mean everyone is focusing on the GM. I'm kind of more interested who's going to fill these other holes like the assistant GM and the uh, now they may only have one assistant GM where Gorton is there. They may not see the purpose, you know. Uh, but uh, I would like to see three because the other GM can be the uh, the other assistant GM can be the GM Laval, um, uh, and then you have to look at who's going to be the head of scouting. That that's where I, I've been thinking lately, like. 
who are they bringing in to replace Timmons yeah. as the uh, as the head of scouting? So yeah. it's going to be an important. It's going to be an important year for them. So they got to get. They've got to get. Um, yeah. They've got to get that position filled as well. Yes, I think the 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 head scout they probably just hired from within. Whoever's doing it now is probably going to stay the head scout. But they're going to need. They're going to need an AGM. That? Is it Don? Who is the head scout? No, no, right it's uh, LaPointe. LaPointe. Yeah, is Martin LaPointe. Running it. He's running okay. it. I think Martin LaPointe can do, do good at that. He might be yeah. all right at that then. But they need to. They need an AGM whose sole job is to oversee development. Yeah. And that's where someone like uh, a Martini or uh, a Daniel Sauvageau would fit well. I believe a woman's coming into some prominent position with Montreal besides Chantel McAbee. Uh, AGM? I believe uh, why not AGM or the head of scout or development. Even I think, uh, well, it's Rob Ramage right now, but uh, I think, you know, someone coming in to be like Ramage's boss. So I guess it would be an AGM. Yeah. So Ramage is a, a, a development coach and so is uh, Frankie Bouillon. So those are two development coaches. They need an AGM to oversee that and they'll need more development coaches. In my opinion, hire 10, hire 20. Have them follow the teams around. Send them off to the junior teams, for God's sakes. Hey, Gooley, here's your development coach just for you. You know, like, there you go. You know, have someone who covers the Western League. Have someone who covers the Ontario League. Have someone cover the Quebec League. AHL, ECHL. You can have a coach for all of it. I I just, uh, it'd be interesting to see... uh... You know who comes in, but uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be someone we never talked about, like Guy, Le- Guy Carbado is going to come in as the new GM in Montreal, just out of the blue. Like, we now have a new GM, it's Guy Carbado. Be funny what? if, like, they'll be funny <laughs> if that panel was there, like, their the group, the group, yeah. Well, well, like, well, like, you know, the group, the group that they put forward to make to find this GM. It'd be funny if they just sat, st- stood in front of the podium and then they're like, it is. Bob Gainey <laughs> just points right now, points the, the guy beside him. Gainey comes Dirk up. stepping up. Yeah, is <laughs> not coming. Gainey Patrick just Wye elbows just him, talking. moves in. Patrick Wye, they have like a live shot of him at home. Does he Gordon just, like... give a rose to the person that he's uh, choosing as the GM? They're all lined up there. They're interviewing. Patrick was like, I really hope I get the job. I've been wanting to be the much on GM. Yeah. Patrick, you really uh, had my interest at the dinner the other night, but... Uh, I'm going to give my rose to myself. Screw you all. <laughs> I say and, then, and, 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 and I'll say the same thing as what I watched The Bachelor. Follow your heart. <laughs> you know what would be better? Full on battle royale. Give each one their own outfit, their own, their own shtick, their own entrance music. And then they come out into the ring and they fight for it. Over the top the battle royale. But, but Patrick Raw would murder everybody. He'd probably win that. <laughs> Oh, but you cheat. You get someone underneath the the ring to come out and pull him down through it, and yeah, you get uh, you get Chris Lee to ref so he doesn't see shit. Randy Cunningworth from the top rope. <laughs> He's back. He's back. The glass breaks. Yeah. That the glass break. Music pay-per-view. comes. The fans oh. pop. Oh, comes Guy Carbono. <laughs> it's the rattlesnake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, that's Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> oh my god, his man has been murdered. <laughs> uh, oh, we gotta right, get, I... we we get Jim Ross on the show. We need like a oh god. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've devolved into 
enough. Uh, we'll put we'll put it into the show there. Uh, any final thoughts, Matt? Uh, not for me. It's good to be back with the two of you. Aw, that's sweet. Treg? Uh, Mike Riley's a third-pair defenseman, and he does, isn't any better than he was when he was with Montreal. Mike Riley. Okay. Uh, and uh, for me, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, remember to check out our website, HabsUnfiltered.net, where we have all our sponsors, all our promo codes, the discounts you can get from our friends who provide us a little extra, you know, merchandise. Uh, again, check out our friend 514 shirts. Uh, Andrew, you know, uh, Andrew Dezadarnowski, no, we're, we're not selling our t-shirts anymore, but he is still selling his shirts and there's a lot of fun stuff there. So check him out. Uh, it's just a fun shout out. And uh, remember if you were talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.